Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Back in 2019, I was traveling through Italy. I was on a train outside Rome when my phone started pinging with messages. Group chats going off. Have you seen the Prince Andrew interview? Do you regret that trip? Yes. Do you regret the whole friendship with Epstein? I'm, I, now, I'm still not. And the reason being is that, that the, the people that I met um, and the opportunities that I was given to learn, um, either by him or because of him, were actually very useful. There are some moments in TV news that become must-see events. But they don't just happen by magic. I'm Maeve McLennigan. This is The Tip-Off. I'm Sam McAllister, and I used to be the interviews producer at BBC Newsnight, and now I'm author, speaker, and random other activities. Sam's path into TV journalism wasn't a straight line. She actually started out studying law. She was the first in her family to go to university, and it seemed like the right serious choice for someone with academic flair. She studied hard and went on to become a criminal barrister, and for a while it suited her. Given how much I loved arguing and I needed to find a job, that seemed the perfect synthesis, but didn't turn out to be the career for me. So I did it for a couple of years and then cut my losses and ended up in journalism, radio journalism, and then television journalism. But those skills she learned in criminal law, they turned out to be useful. So getting to grip with complex ideas quickly, really a huge skill set that training to be a barrister taught me, as well as having open minds about everybody that I dealt with, whether they be alleged bank robbers or princes. Sam worked for a variety of different places and ended up at Newsnight, the BBC's flagship daily news analysis show. Now, there were any number of interesting roles there. To be honest, the high status thing was to make the beautiful films that you watch before an interview happens on Newsnight or a standalone from some far-flung region of the Middle East. But that stuff wasn't really Sam's cup of tea. 
What she loved was the rough and tumble of the interview segments of the show. Newsnight, with its then lead presenter Jeremy Paxman, had the reputation of being the place for unflinching, probing, sometimes even combative interviews. Is this some sort of joke? I mean, how can you possibly have as a number one priority cutting the deficit when you choose to spend and underspend in funding a tax cut? And you ever think you're incompetent? I often wondered, when watching, why, knowing the reputation of the show, would anyone ever agree to be in the hot seat? The answer, it seems, was Sam. It was her role to book the chosen guest, to make contact and persuade them to come on air. My thrill was making phone calls to random people, politicians, economists, people who'd had something awful happen in their lives or somebody who didn't want to speak and persuading them. It was a tough and sometimes thankless gig. The show airs Monday to Friday, and so each day they have 45 minutes of airtime to fill. And you're basically given a chunk. Your chunk could be the Irish economy, Brexit, the geopolitical situation in Yemen, Syria. You just don't really know what it's going to be. You might have 1% knowledge. You might have 99% knowledge. Usually in my case, it was around 5% at the start of the day. But by the end of the day, you'd have to brief the presenter and provide guests for a whole of television. It might be seven minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes that you are personally responsible for. That evening, there's nowhere to hide. You have to fill the spot. So it's a particular type of adrenaline, pressure and accountability that you have to deal with as a news producer on that programme. And it's certainly not for everyone. But if you're into it, it becomes somewhat intoxicating, if terrifying. And again, Sam found her experience as a lawyer coming in useful, time after time. So you have to find somebody. Then once you've found them, you have to find a sweet spot. You have to remember that you're competing in a bun fight with a plethora of outlets nowadays, of which Newsnight would probably not be in the top 10 choices for most people. So you're really on the back foot. So what you have to do is use a combination of charm, persuasion and honesty. She arranged some amazing interviews, like one with Paul Flowers, the chairman of the Cooperative Bank, who at the time was embroiled in a cocaine and methamphetamine scandal. or the poignant interview that Newsnight got with Amanda Berry and Gina De Jesus, both survivors of kidnap and years-long imprisonment by Ariel Castro in the USA. But then, one day, an email dropped into her inbox that changed everything. The message was from a press officer working for Prince Andrew. It was an offer of an interview with the prince, but a specific offer. He wanted to talk about his work as an ambassador for the project Pitch at the Palace, an initiative to support entrepreneurs. What we'd call in the trade a puff piece, that is where you go and do an interview and the interviewee wants to just talk about their personal project and say, frankly, how amazing they are with no test of the kind of content or no news content. So I politely declined. But it had started a train of thought in Sam's mind. At this point, there were rumours surrounding Jeffrey Epstein, but no arrests. And actually, Sam's focus was as much on hearing from the prince about Brexit, Meghan and Harry, the future of the monarchy. Sam knew talking about those things would definitely be of interest to the Newsnight audience. 
So she suggested to the prince's PR, a woman called Amanda Thursk, that the prince could and should come and do a wide-ranging interview with nothing off limits. And I wrote, what you always do is a kind of hopeful thing. 99 times out of 100, you never get a return email. But you send, hopefully, if his position changes and he'd like to do a more wide-ranging news interview, please do get back to me. She sent off her message and got on with the rush of booking guest after guest for the show. Months passed, and Sam had almost forgotten about the prince when... Another email in her inbox. Telling me that Prince Andrew and his staff, Amanda Thursk, his chief of staff, were open to a conversation about possibly doing a wide-ranging interview that would encompass the conditions that we as journalists at the BBC impose, that you can't have any conditions. Sam could barely believe it. The door had opened just a crack. She had to jump on the opportunity. A meeting needed to be set up as quickly as possible, but the location for that meeting would be far from usual. So I was invited to Buckingham Palace. So what's a woman to do but say yes? And off I went. It was about three days later. Didn't even tell my editor because it was such an unlikely outcome that we would get an interview with a member of the royal family. And I trotted off there to meet Amanda Thursk face-to-face in Buckingham Palace for the first time. So it was on the morning of the 22nd of May 2019 that Sam found herself on the way to an extraordinary meeting. I turned up at the gate. I could not believe it. You literally go in through a gate that's open. Okay, don't worry, there's automatic weapons and all that jazz and you have to, you know, get in. And then you traipse across that front part of Buckingham Palace that you might have looked into as a tourist. All these tourists must have been thinking, who the Scooby is that woman? Uh, You know, and I'm like, so sorry, I'm an absolute nobody, but I'm going into Buckingham Palace. Someone greets you at the door, takes you in. I went into the waiting room where I expected to be have my bag searched and have my you know, mobile phone taken away. They didn't. Now, I'm sure you're far too classy, but I must concede that I am not. And so I may or may not, I cannot confirm or deny, have a couple of selfies of myself in the Queen's waiting room. I hope you don't find that disrespectful, but there we are. And so there I was. And then led upstairs with one of the PRs who was with me into a tiny room, face to face with Amanda for the first time. Sat in that small room, across from Amanda Thursk, Sam launched into her pitch that the prince should come on Newsnight for a no-holds-barred interview. This was a conversation that could make or break everything. And Sam had done enough of them before to know that it could be a psychological dance, always with full honesty, but laying out your argument in a way you suspect it might have the most impact. The first negotiation face-to-face is always really crucial because you have to create a conversation based on mutual understanding, but also based upon connection. And that connection comes from research. I made sure that I knew a lot about her. It comes from experience, making sure you lead with the right part of yourself. In this case, it was calm uh, intellect. There was no boisterous kind of humor, which is one of my other fortes. There was no silliness. There was no glibness. Amanda was super clever and super serious. And so we spent a couple of hours together discussing a possible interview. It looked like it was going to be something that could happen. I got Brexit on the table. Prince Andrew, do you remember that? Brexit? He was willing to discuss that with us. The rest of the royal family. So it looked like it was all go. 
Amanda was sounding interested, as if Prince Andrew might be open to this interview after all. But then she raised their one and only red line, that he would not talk about the, quote, old news, end quote, of his friendship with Epstein. Sam's heart sank. She gave a non-committal answer, keen to keep the conversation going, but she knew that that just wouldn't work for Newsnight's policy of no red lines. So soon after, she got back in touch and politely explained it wouldn't work. The conversation stopped. In fact, not long after, Prince Andrew did do an interview on ITV. But that wasn't the end of it. Far from it. More after this. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So Prince Andrew has done an interview of ITV, but Sam can't help but think that one day he might come to Newsnight. And then a series of bombshells. Jeffrey Epstein, long known to be a friend of the prince, is arrested on federal charges for the sex trafficking of minors in Florida and New York. A month later, while awaiting trial in prison, NBC News has learned that disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein is dead. Epstein took his own life while he was behind bars here in New York City facing charges of sex trafficking. 
At the same time, Virginia Goofrey, one of Epstein's victims, and a young woman pictured in a photo next to Prince Andrew, is building a legal case against Ghislaine Maxwell. And who knows, maybe even the prince. There's coverage every single day. So it starts and ratchets and ratchets and ratchets more. And every time the story goes up to a next boiling point, I'd get back in touch with Amanda. That line between being a pain in the bum and being professional is very, very thin. So only when the story moved would I get back in touch and say, please let us come back and see you again. Surely this has to be the point at which he has to speak because the nation hasn't heard from him and a piece of paper is not going to convince anybody that he hasn't done anything wrong. He has to do something on camera. And months and months pass. And then in October, I finally receive a message from Amanda inviting me back. And that's when my heart does start to pound. Sam is nervous now. The stakes are suddenly much higher. This meeting, again at Buckingham Palace, is going to be not just with Amanda, but with Prince Andrew too. So she was going to bring someone else along. Emily Maitlis. I always negotiate alone. I like negotiating alone and there wasn't really capacity on a programme like that to do anything different. But I asked Emily to come. Inside Newsnight, the plans were top secret. This was a sensitive negotiation. The fewer people who knew about it, the less chance of things going wrong. So I was very nervous about revealing anything about what we were doing. And sometimes that made for amusing side knowledge when people were ribbing me about when was I going to get something decent on the programme. Sam bit her tongue. And then once again, it was time to set off for the palace. She had done her research. In truth, I spent a long time looking into Andrew, into his family, trying to ascertain who he was as a man, so that when I met him, I knew how to lead the negotiation with humour, with intellect, with, you know, what type of discourse was he interested in? What might be his sweet spot? What could his motivations be? A negotiation is not about you as a journalist. It's about the possible interviewee. So I spoke to people who'd met him off the record, and then I'd watched his previous interviews and read some of the things he was interested in and some of the things that clearly he was concerned about. So she was as prepared as she could be as she headed off back through the all-night gates of Buckingham Palace. I was meant to be on half-term with my son. I bring him up on my own. I work part-time. So I had been intending to do something. I arranged childcare. I apologised to my boy. You know, you can't turn that down, obviously, rightly. And so off, off we went, the two of us, to do that second face-to-face negotiation in Buckingham Palace in the October. Sam and Emily are led into an upstairs meeting room, small, with dark wooden chairs. At the head of the table, a chair sits empty. And then, through the door, appears not just Prince Andrew, but also his daughter, Princess Beatrice. For a second, that threw Sam off. There was a huge, huge change to the possible calibrations of, my, of the tactic that day, because having a conversation with matters that sensitive with a member of the royal family in front of his chief of staff in one of the Queen's properties is already quite a big deal. Doing that in front of his daughter is a very different calibration. And so in that split second of her arriving, completely unnerving momentarily, you have to change your tactics. So I was so busy getting my brain to think, okay, Sam, what is your brain telling you about her being here and how does that change this negotiation? 
that the nerves kind of flew away, to be honest. And it's a bit like being in a courtroom where you haven't slept the night before, but then you stand up and you have to give the impression of calm, cool. Underneath the table, of course, your feet are going like a duck and your heart is whirring and, you know, you feel like 2000 degrees and I certainly do sweat. So all of that is going on. And I think it was just the adrenaline gets you through that meeting, which was surreal beyond belief and with his daughter present. And then add to that all the pomp and ceremony that surrounds meeting a royal. You have to do some particular head nod, some particular curtsy type thing that Emily and I were, well, let's be fair to Emily. I'm sure she did a great job. I was useless at how to get the right, you know, names. It's like your Royal Highness the first time, then Sir every other time. And I think I went a bit Sir crazy because you're making sure you get it right. I think I called him Your Majesty at one stage. You know, you're a bit of a wreck with it because... It's not a normal scenario. Despite all that, the discussions went well. And then, right at the end... She said, did we have any questions? And normally I would say, no. But on that occasion, I said, yes, are you actually going to do something? Or is this, you know, subtext, just a fishing expedition? And she said, yes, we are. We're going to do one thing. And at that moment, I felt Emily as well. We both had a sharp intake of breath. And then we're kind of thrown out through the bows of the palace into the October air. Emily goes back to the office. I'm on half term with my son. So I go back to my boy. I call Stuart, who's very calm headed. He's now the editor of Newsnight. He's an excellent journalist and a great colleague. And I say to him, Stuart, I think this could actually happen. Then there was nothing to do but once again, wait. I wish I could tell you that I did hold my nerve, but that would be a lie. It was a very strange period waiting to hear if we made, if you like, as as you put it, I sometimes say negotiation is, forgive me not to be glib, a bit like dating. You go on a lot of first dates, mostly you never make it to a second date. And in this sense, you know, this was, we knew a, a scoop of epic proportions if we got it. And so waiting for that email to land A yes or a no felt like an absolute lifetime. In fact, it was only a day later that an email arrived, asking them to give Amanda a call. Stuart, the executive producer on the project, did so. You know the things on the WhatsApp group? You're staring at those three little dots or the dots. Stuart's writing something on the dots and I have to say, as much as I like him, I wish he learnt to type faster. So... We're waiting for him to deliver the information and the information comes through that they have said yes. An incredible moment. But there was barely time to savour it. The interview needed to happen soon, in just two days' time, and then it would be aired a few days after that. So the race was on to get everything ready in time. We really weren't eating, drinking, you know, we couldn't have alcohol, we were trying to keep sane, we weren't sleeping, we were in a tiny circle of trust So it was a very, very intense week, and that's an an understatement. Things were still incredibly secretive. It was a need-to-know basis. Sam didn't even tell her son or partner what was happening. But before she knew it, it was Thursday, the day of the interview. I took the bus to get to the palace, licence fee payers' money. I'm very, very careful with it. So rather surreally, I ended up at Green Park, which was flooded that day. I had hugely inappropriate footwear, and I had to make my way across a a park that was basically submerged and argue with somebody to let me go across and obviously saying I've got to go to to Buckingham Palace because I'm interviewing a member of the royal family sounds like a complete lie. But I arrived 
Stu was execing, so he spent his week obviously getting himself together and getting the team together who were there. There's new people who don't know who it is. There's a photographer, there's a makeup person, there's camera crew who don't find out what it is until they arrive because we didn't tell anyone. They turned up not knowing what the project was. So the atmosphere was exactly as you would imagine. The detritus of television is huge. There's cables, there's lights. It takes two or three hours to set everything up. But all of us know how high stakes this is. And there's an atmosphere that, you know, is manifestly anxious, as you would expect with an interview of this kind. And then who should wander into the room earlier than expected but Prince Andrew? Emily Maitlis was yet to arrive, so Sam found herself having a stilted conversation, knowing all the while that in a short amount of time, they'd be questioning him on some incredibly serious things. Genuinely one of the most surreal moments of my career. As Prince Andrew walked into the room, chatting with the production team that was standing around, Sam thought about just why it was that he was there, walking into the lion's den of his own accord. My impression of him before I did the negotiations and I felt was borne out through the process was that he had quite an old school view of how these kinds of processes happen. I think in his head, he thought if he explained to us, we would understand and all of this would go away. He had had a really rather blessed life, been told that he was amazing and brilliant all the time, a level of what I might call royal delusion through no fault of his own in many ways, you know, obviously such a privileged lifestyle, being told how brilliant and capable you are all the time. And a lot of that had been taken away from him because of this shame hanging over him. He wanted to walk his daughter down the aisle. Beatrice was getting married later. His 60th birthday was coming up. Those human elements that any of us would be interested in, I think really were in his mind, a return to public life. And a fundamental belief in the truth of what he was saying. I feel from my experience that he believed what he said and a feeling that he would vindicate himself by doing a good interview, which would explain everything. And this would all go away. The prince settled down in his chair, seemingly relaxed as folks fiddled with lapel mics and camera angles. Two chairs were placed opposite each other, a small wooden table with a bottle of water sat in between them. Sam squeezed herself down in a chair behind Prince Andrews. She scanned the room, surprised at how few people there were from the palace's side. No lawyers. At one point, a man who introduced himself as the communications secretary to the Queen arrived, but he departed soon after. Amanda was there, and a few others, but it all felt surprisingly relaxed from their side. Then in came Emily, and the interview could start. We've come to Buckingham Palace in highly unusual circumstances. Normally, we'd be discussing your work, your duty. We'll come on to that. But today, you've chosen to speak out for the first time. Why have you decided to talk now? Because uh, there is no good time to talk about um, Mr. Epstein and um, all things associated. Um, and uh, um, we've been talking uh, to Newsnight for about six months about doing something around the work that I was doing. 
the incredible moments just kept coming. One of Epstein's accusers, Virginia Roberts, yeah. has made allegations against you. She was very specific about that night. Mm -hmm. She described dancing with you no. and you profusely sweating <laughs> and that she went on to have bath, there's a, there's possibly... A, there's a slight problem with, 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 with the sweating um, because uh, I, I have a peculiar medical condition, which is that I don't sweat um, or I didn't sweat at the time. And that was... Oh, actually, yes, I didn't sweat at the time because I um, ha had suffered what I would describe as an overdose of adrenaline in the Falklands War when I was shot at. Uh, and I simply, it, it, was, it, was, it was almost impossible for me to, to, to sweat. On that particular day that, that, that um, uh, we now understand is the date, which is the 10th of March, uh, I was at home. Uh, I was with the children. I'd taken Beatrice to uh, a Pizza Express in Woking. Why would you remember that so specifically? Why would you remember a, a Pizza Express birthday and being at home? Because going to Pizza Express in Woking is an unusual thing for me to do. My barrister brain is going, oh my God. And my journalist brain simultaneously is going, oh my double God. So I really was a complete wreck on the inside and it was very hard to keep a poker face. I tried not to make eye contact with anyone on the team. I was in Emily's direct line. I made no eye contact with her, nothing with anybody else around me. And I concentrated on not scoffing or coughing or eye rolling or anything that would give away my personal views or be inappropriate or disrespectful in what was obviously a very high, tense, high stakes situation. As minute after minute ticked by, each answer adding more and more damage to the prince's case, Sam couldn't quite believe that this was being allowed to continue. She spoke about you outside the court in August of this year. Mm -hmm. She said, I quote, he knows exactly what he's done and I hope he comes clean about it. And the answer what, is nothing. So if Virginia Roberts is watching this interview, what is your message to her? I don't have a message for her because I have to have a thick skin. If somebody's going to make those sorts of, of allegations, then I've just got to have a thick skin and get on with it. But they never happened. For the record, is there any way you could have had sex with that young woman or any young woman trafficked by Jeffrey Epstein in any of his residences? No. Um, and, and, and without putting too fine a point on it, if you're a man, it is a positive act to have sex with somebody. You have to have to take some sort of positive action. And so therefore, if you try to forget, it's very difficult to try and forget positive action. I was waiting for the moment at which it would be closed down. It was certainly our expectation that at some stage he might storm off, refuse to continue, close the interview down, that Amanda might end it. And every minute that passed was a little bit closer to that not happening. And I could barely believe when we got to the end of that 45, 50 minutes that it had been allowed to continue. But there we are. And we had it. It was in the bag. And that was an astonishing feeling. The interview came to an end. Sam glanced at Amanda. Her face was inscrutable. 
So she turned to another palace staff member beside her and asked her how she thought it went. Wasn't he wonderful? The palace official replied. For his part, Andrew seemed very pleased with the whole thing. He was in such a good mood, he even offered the entire Newsnight team a tour of the palace. Emily agreed, but afraid she couldn't hold it together much longer, Sam declined. Outside the palace, the team had a chance to regroup. They needed to get the tape back safely to the Newsnight offices as soon as possible. And there was barely any time to catch their breaths, just 48 hours to edit, write scripts around it and get everything ready for broadcast. Then finally, a few days later, on Saturday night, it was time. The interview went out to the world. Hello, good evening. Any political storm that's... Well, on the Saturday, I was with my boyfriend, Tom, at his place, because he had a big telly and I had a very little telly at the time and it felt like the right place to be. Plus, the, he has uh, alcohol available in his house. I don't in mine. And I hadn't seen Andrew's face before, which sounds a bit mad, but I wasn't in the edit. So it was the first time when you saw it, was the first time that I saw his facial expressions. And I must admit, I stood by the television like some child watching a football game, just with my jaw on the floor, even though I'd heard it before. There was something about it going to the rest of the country that made it extremely overwhelming. And I can't confirm or deny that I might have had a drink or two afterwards, probably to calm the nerves. And I didn't sleep that night either. Sleep didn't come for quite a few days. I didn't sleep for about two weeks properly, more than two or three hours. And so it really was a strange moment to watch it with everybody else for the first time, in a sense. I knew it was going to be as big as it was going to be. And that's a rare feeling. I know Emily has said that she didn't realise until later in the edit. I knew the second it, it finished. I knew what we had. And that's why I was perhaps more frightened than other members of the team. I felt quite overwhelmed by it. It was a strange experience. And I knew the impact it would have. The part that did surprise me was the swiftness of his fall, such as the fall happened, in that the interview happens on Saturday, it reverberates around the world on Sunday, it's triple reverberating Monday, Tuesday. And on Wednesday, I'm sitting at home on my sofa with my kid on the other sofa, uh, watching television. And then effectively what you might call the resignation statement landed. Tonight, a statement from the Duke of York himself accepted the magnitude of that error. I have asked Her Majesty if I may step back from public duties for the foreseeable future and she has given her permission. And note the significant change tonight from last week's interview. The Duke said, I continue to unequivocally regret my ill-judged association with Jeffrey Epstein. I deeply sympathise with everyone who has been affected and wants some form of closure. And along the way, there had been a moment of special recognition for Sam. I remember noticing at the time, Esme Wren, the then editor of Newsnight, had tweeted about the interview when it broke, specifically mentioning and tagging Sam, unusually for TV news, acknowledging a producer's role in the work. I have to say that was hugely special. I think often, you know, you do work behind the scenes and you don't usually mind because you're a team, you know, and, and that's, that's fine. But on this occasion, I think, Esme said, full credit to the indefatigable interviews producer, Sam McAllister. That was how her tweet began. 
And then, of course, she credited all the other brilliant people on the team. But it really was, you know, a very special moment to have your editor call you out globally for the work that you had done. As the smoke cleared a little, Sam was able to look back at what an amazing coup it had been to get what was possibly the interview of the decade. The magnitude of it has been well recognised. Sam has now written a fantastic book called Scoops, which goes into how the interview was pulled off, as well as brilliant behind-the-scenes moments from other seismic interviews of her career. And excitingly, Netflix is going to make it the subject of a new movie called Scoop, starring Gillian Anderson, Rufus Sewell and Billy Piper playing Sam. Prince Andrew has always denied having any kind of sexual relationship with Virginia Goofrey. Last year, following threats of a civil lawsuit, he paid a settlement to her, though he was careful to make sure that this was not to be seen as an omission of guilt. These days, the new King Charles has continued to keep his brother out of public roles, most recently saying he can no longer use his suite of rooms at Buckingham Palace. But amid all the noise of all that followed, Sam kept thinking back to one person, Amanda. The PR officer had left her role after the debacle. I think the most difficult thing in this for me was not the Andrew element because, you know, Andrew's a a grown man and he had questions to answer. I did feel a burden in terms of what happened to Amanda. Perhaps you might find that strange, but she dealt with me with such integrity and professionalism and kindness. And so to see her career end, understandably, of course, was, was hard to see. And so getting back in touch with her was, frankly, you know, awkward and difficult, but tiny on me in comparison to what happened to her. So yes, we did. We did meet up afterwards. It would be remiss of me to reveal any contents of the conversations we've had since we've met a a couple of times. But to say that she is an impressive human being really is quite, I mean, it really is an understatement because she has always wished me the best. She's wished me the best with the book and with my life and the credit that I've received. And I think that gives you an idea of the calibre of human that she is. So that really is, you know, an unexpected part, perhaps, for some people of this tale. That's really the kind of adult and impressive human that she is. That's all for this episode of The Tip-Off. Do check out Sam McAllister's excellent book, Scoops. And tell all your friends, family, loved ones that The Tip-Off is back for a new series. We've missed you all. This episode was presented and produced by me, Maeve McLennigan, with editing from Chloe Burns, original music by Claudia Meza, and our theme music by Dice Muse. The sound design was by Alec Cowan, and additional support came from Joaquim Alvarado. Stay tuned for more stories behind the headlines. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Ando. And I'm Fer. And we host Niña Bien Podcast. We want to invite you to listen to our show. Niña Bien means good girls in Spanish. But you have to know that this is not a podcast for good girls. Or for girls at all. It is a comedy podcast. So everyone is welcome to listen. We talk about sex, relationships, technology. We recommend movies and TV shows and discuss pop culture in general. And there is Chisme Ajeno too. A section we have just to gossip about everyone. So you'll find something you like here. And you'll practice your Spanish. The cleanest Spanish you'll find, we promise. And if you already hablas español, vamos a hacer tus nuevas amigas. amigas. We'll be your friends for the non-Spanish speakers. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Hosted by Acast and available to all audio platforms. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 